With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. And uh, what is this uh, episode? What number episode, Dave? You know? 147? Are you asking or telling? I'm hedging my bets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we might be a little discombobulated this week, folks, uh, because uh, Orlando City won on the weekend. And not used to this. So this, this could be a really bizarre show. I mean, we don't, we don't know what to do with our hands. We don't know what to say. It's been too long since we've talked about getting three points. This is podcast number 147. And I am Michael Citro, the founder and the managing editor of the mainland.com. I am uh, going to apologize if um, my speech is a little off tonight. I burnt the crap out of my mouth today um, at uh, Jason's Deli uh, eating a baked potato that was apparently filled with molten hot magma <laughs> from the bowels of the earth. Uh, oh my God. I have never burnt the inside of my mouth as badly as I had today. I almost went to the ER. It was so bad. It just, wow. Like, I bit into uh, a bite of the potato and it stuck to the roof of my mouth. And there was no, like, I had to like physically pry it out of my mouth because it seared itself into the roof of my mouth. And, um, it was, uh, it was not fun. I mean, I had flesh, uh, stripped away from the area. It was, it was bad. I don't mean to gross anybody out. I'm sorry. I'm just saying <laughs> I may uh, fumble over my words more than usual, which maybe you won't even notice. But anyway, with all of that said, let me introduce David Rowe up in Tallahassee, my co-host. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing fine. Uh, I didn't have any baked potatoes today, so I guess I'm feeling better than you are. God, it's stupid too, because I I just had a, <laughs> I had a craving for a baked potato today, so I'm I'm like actually got on Google and like where can I get a good baked potato in town? And um, Jason's Deli turned up, and I was like, okay, there's one of these uh, near my office, so cruised over there, and I was pretty excited. Got a little baked potato. Uh, with all the all the fixins, and then a, a, a single trip to the salad bar. And while I was at the salad bar, they delivered my apparently piping hot potato to my table, and nobody was there to say, "Hey, be careful! We just took this out of Mount Vesuvius." <laughs> you know, it's it's. It's how many times have you been at a restaurant and they're like handing you a plate? They're like, look, it's hot. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fine. Just give it to mm-hmm. me. This this the one time they're not there to do it. Oh, my God. the one time that you burn the crap out of your yeah, mouth. So it's, you know, it's steaming a bit. But like even the cheese on top of it wasn't all that melted, right? So I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's probably fine. So I, you know, you blow on it a little bit and you stick it in your mouth and then it's like, ah! and then you have two choices at that point, Dave. You can swallow or spit it out. Only I couldn't do either one because it had fused itself and become part of me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I'm a little under the weather, uh, but uh, hopefully beyond the mend. I don't think it's going to keep me out uh, out of the lineup long. So 
better not. We might need you in the uh, in the back line this next game. So Dave, Orlando City got a victory. Orlando City scored more than one goal in a game. I don't know what to do with all of this information, but uh, the you know the, the the win on Sunday against the Columbus Crew was uh, a sight to behold. You know, I remember that there was a time where we talked about wins, so I know that we should be able to do it. Um, we're obviously, you know, those muscles are atrophied, but uh, we'll give it our best shot. Uh, I, you know, for the first time in what felt like forever, I'm watching an Orlando City game, and I'm excited and happy, and, uh, you know, at the, the death of the game, I'm standing up, you know, in my living room, you know, pumping my fist, you know, looking like uh, Cash Mueller and whatever memes that are going to be made about him now. Um, it was fantastic. It was unbelievably fun. So uh, I, I've actually been looking forward to the podcast. In the last several weeks, we've, you know, like, okay, I guess we got to do this. This time I was like, hey, we get to do this. Yeah. So, you know, I'm speechless. It was a very evenly played game in the first half. Uh, Columbus had a slightly, uh, slight advantage in possession, a, another extra shot or two, an extra shot on goal or two, but it was pretty even down the line as far as statistics, no score. Um, and it was quite honestly, it was a little bit of a boring game in that there were, there were not a ton of scoring chances. It was a, a, a very defensive game. I think the first, 15 minutes of the game set a new MLS record for back passes by both teams uh, as <laughs> neither team could really figure out a way to get through. Orlando came out with a three-man back line of uh, Asquez uh, on the left and O'Neal on the right and Sané in the middle and uh, opted to put five in the midfield and they were, four of them were defensive midfielders. So you immediately said, uh, we're not scoring a goal again today. And uh, because Sasha Kleshton is in the middle of four guys who are primarily defenders, I guess you could say Yoshi's an attacker, but he's he's not a scorer per, per se. He's not a, a goal scorer, although he was on Sunday one of the two. And, you know, uh, Dom up top. And Dom was very isolated. Uh, Columbus did a very good job on him. Jonathan Mensah uh, did a good job of trying to take him out of the game by elbowing him in the face in the first half. And um, which was a curious decision because it was a straight yellow card. Um, no discussion, uh, no visible discussion with the video assistant referee. No, um, no discussion took place because we we had a pool reporter ask after the game, ask the, um, the referee, Kevin Stott, did you consult with VAR? He said no. Uh, okay. So that was, okay. that was all he wrote on the paper was no, he didn't, didn't get into anything else. Uh, <laughs> they said, did you see, you know, clear contact with, uh, with, uh, the head and he, his answer once again, very brief. Yes. So I guess my question is why do you not in that situation go to the review when that's what review is for? Um, it looked pretty bad. I mean, it cut Dom's face open. So it doesn't, you know, people are saying, well, it wasn't intentional, but it doesn't matter. You throw the elbow and you draw blood. To me, that's violent conduct. And mm -hmm. that should have been a red card, but it wasn't. And so you're sitting there going, okay, last time Orlando City played Columbus, there was a phantom penalty. Now we got no red card uh, on Jonathan Mensa, And you think, okay, here we go again. Uh, but to get to halftime, scoreless Dave, come out of the halftime 
And a great chance uh, coming out of the half uh, for Mohamed El-Munir gets into the penalty area. He's got it. He can tee it up on his right foot. But no, he doesn't like his right foot. So he turns around and goes the other direction for no reason at all. Um, just a, a really great illustration of how some guys just don't have offensive instincts. And, and Mohamed El-Munir, whether you like your right foot or not, that's the time to shoot the ball. And uh, he had mm-hmm. a, an excellent chance to maybe put put the Orlando ahead did not. And for just, I think four minutes later, um, Orlando paid. It was uh, a foul by Shane O'Neill. One of the few things that he did wrong in the game. He actually had a very strong game, but he uh, committed a foul on Pedro Santos just outside the area. Federico Higuain stepped up and you know, he's, he's top quality player. He's, he's, he's pretty good. And uh, he strikes the ball and just sneaks inside the near post. It's one nil. A uh, very, very preventable goal because the ball traveled approximately four inches over Yuri Rossell's head, and Yuri was part of the wall, and he did not jump. So yeah, uh, I could I could jump high enough to have gotten my head on that one. Yeah, I mean and, it wasn't. And that I high. can't jump. It, it was just it was one of those things where if Yuri just jumps, he he knocks it away, and it's one of those mm-hmm. uh, you know wasted free kicks because it hit the wall and the wall did its job, but. No, I don't. I'm not privy to. I didn't get to ask anybody after the game. It's like, why did Yuri not jump? Was he maybe protecting for a low one under the wall? You know, is that something the players uh, just sort of do by feel? Was there a strategy there? But didn't get a chance to ask that one in the press conference. The uh, uh, the delay getting James O'Connor was significant because he was out shaking hands and meeting with fans after the game, which was you know class move on his part. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, he could have probably shaken every hand there because uh, it was a pretty <laughs> poor turnout uh, of the 23,000 plus tickets distributed. There were probably half that in the seats on Sunday, which is is a little disappointing. But, uh, hey, they are the ones that missed the win. So it's on them. That's right. <laughs> if, yeah. If you, if you didn't go and just because you thought others oh, because you foolishly listened to us and, and when we said that they wouldn't win anymore. Uh, well, bad on you. Yep, and uh, Orlando City hit right back. It was uh, not one nil very long, but um, nope. the uh, you know the, there was a ball headed into the area by Will Johnson and um, Gaston Sorrow of the crew had his arms stretched out. He was actually trying to grab Dom, who was who was running past him, and instead he ended up swatting the ball like it was a volleyball play. And uh, the crew, you can't do that. You no, know, you're not allowed to do that in the penalty area. Clear penalty. Sasha Kleshin wanted to take it, but uh, Yoshi also wanted to take it. And uh, Sasha said after the game, you know, he had been successful and I had uh, I had missed one this year. So I let Yoshi take that one. And Yoshi with the Panenka, a uh, very, very cheeky uh, penalty and makes it 1-1. Uh, did your heart fly into your mouth like mine did when he hit that? Just a little bit. And then it... You saw how perfect it was, and then you're then it was just you know then you're cheering. And then the, the, you know all the, the 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 heart you know stays up, but for a good reason and and mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together because it was it was an absolutely beautiful penalty take. Great strike from Yoshi. I asked him after the game, you know, what was the thinking behind uh, going that way with the penalty, and he said he he hit one on each side, and he knows that the goalkeepers. Watch the video. They, they, you know, they've seen him go left. They've seen him go right. He thought he'd try something different. 
and uh, hey, it worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, we play better when he's on the field, and uh, so I'm not gonna argue with the man. Yes. So it's one-one at this point, and you know, Orlando really got a hold of the game, Dave. It was um, an, an opposite uh, possession of the first half. Uh, Orlando had 54% in the second half, but lots of shots in the second half. Orlando. Uh, limited Columbus to just two shot attempts, only one on target. That was the goal. While I think it, I think Orlando had ten shots in the second half, and it was, uh, it was they were coming from every direction. There were a lot of uh, shots from outside the box. There were yeah. some really great saves by Zach Steffen on, um, you know, Yotun had a couple uh, nice ones. I think he made a, a nice save on. Um, Oh, who was it? Someone else outside the box. Oh, Will Johnson had a nice one outside the box that was sort yeah. of the corner. And, uh, you know, it, it looked like one of those things where Zach Steffen's going to, gonna, you know, save this, uh, preserve this tie. Maybe Columbus is going to get a late winner against the run of play. As it got late in the game, Dave, Columbus started to kind of sag back and say, okay, we invite you forward. We're going to try to just uh, get out of here with either a, a draw or hit you on the counter and get the winner that way. And there were a couple breaks for Columbus, but they didn't really manage to get anything dangerous going. And then you really thought this game's headed for a draw when Scott Sutter sent a screamer off the crossbar in the 90th minute. And you're just like, wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, well, a draw is not so bad considering uh, the results that we've had. Score a goal, get a draw. Okay, (laughs) yeah, uh, I'll take it. So, but four minutes of, in, you know, stoppage were indicated and Columbus was doing a lot of time wasting and that kind of cost them because in just past that 94th minute, in the beginning of the 95th minute, uh, Chris Mueller drew a penalty and, and Dave, Chris had a terrible game going. He came on, horrible game. came on in the second half for Johnson and he promptly turned the ball over twice and gave Columbus a couple scoring chances. Um, he he's, he got forward a few times, tried to do his step over that he's been attempting without any success. This the whole second half of the season. He's been trying this move and it hasn't worked. Um, just not a very good outing for Mueller. But nope. then uh, he, he gets into the box. He goes toward the end line. He tries to cut back, falls down. But to his credit, Hustles gets back up quickly. And as he was getting up, uh, Will Trapp came over to, you know, complete the double team and he didn't get there in time. Will Trapp sticks out the foot and doesn't get the ball. He gets Chris Mueller instead. So honestly, Chris Mueller's best involvement in the game was falling down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt and say that what it was, was just no lack of hustle. <laughs> you know, just despite obviously not playing well, giving the ball away, uh, he didn't give up, um, which is something that we've said about him all year. And this time, it happened to pay off because of that hustle. Yes, he fell down, but he fell down in the right spot. Yeah, he and it was hustle. It was a hustle play, and he didn't just flop to get that call. It was a legitimate trip. He was trying to uh, to take the ball back into the uh, toward the top of the box, and um, you know, Will Trap is uh, a good player, but he made a mistake there. And I didn't really see a whole lot of arguing from Crew fans in no. on, on Twitter, so. You know, that's usually a sign where people like, I don't have a leg to stand on. That's a penalty. And yeah, the, the the camera angle was really good on that one. Everybody saw it. So Sasha didn't get to take the first one, but he did want to take the second one as well. Yoshi said uh, go for it because Yoshi had already taken one. He wasn't feeling quite as confident on the second one. Those are Yoshi's words, not mine. Um, after the game, because I, I asked him, 
<laughs> How did you mm -hmm. decide? Uh, he said, I wasn't feeling quite as confident, and Sasha said he wanted it, so he took it. And uh, let's be honest, Sasha's penalty was not great, but he did send Stefan the wrong way, and it went in the net. So that's all that matters. That was By the time he took that penalty, it was the 96th minute. So you felt pretty good that as long as Orlando City didn't concede within 15 seconds, they were probably going to get the whistle they needed and win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and good on Sasha for, you know, like you said, it wasn't as pretty as Joshi's. It wasn't even necessarily that pretty at all. But uh, all that matters is it goes in the back of the net. We're up 2-1. And, yeah, it, you're at the death of, of stoppage time, and and you're just begging for the whistle. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I know I'm sitting there yelling at the TV going, blow the whistle. <laughs> That's what you do, you start doing when you take that late lead, especially when you've only won one game in 23. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it, it was probably not as close to the corner as Sasha would have liked to have gotten it. But again, Stefan went to his right and uh, Sasha went the other direction with it. So even though if Stefan had guessed right, he would have stopped it. He didn't guess right. So he, uh, he didn't stop it, and it went in, and Orlando City wins just for the second time in 24 outings, first time since July, first time scoring more than one goal in a game since uh, September 1st in a 2-2 draw against Philadelphia, and the first MLS game in which Orlando City uh, scored from the penalty spot twice in a game, I believe. Well... I don't know if that's true. We'll have to we'll have to look up that stat. I don't care. A win's a win. <laughs> uh, whatever, what you know, breaking that little streak is more important to me than whether uh, we, you know, it was because of two penalty kicks or two run of play. I, I don't care. I'll I'll take it any way I can get it right now, um, because you know, you and I had no hope for anything like this uh, in these last three games. So I, I'm good. It was good to see the Lions rally for the supporters uh, in the in the home finale, and it, you know it snapped a 13-game winless streak. The Lions were 0-10 and three the previous 13 games. They go out uh, at home winners. They're now three and one in home finales. Uh, three wins, one loss, no draws in home finales uh, in MLS play, and uh, that's all very very good. We're very happy about all of that, and it's just really ironic to beat the crew on a pair of penalties considering that the last time the teams played the crew were thrown a lifeline with a late phantom penalty uh, mm -hmm. on a call Silvio Petrescu should never have made per his own professional referees organization uh, with the call against RJ Allen up in Columbus. Well, pro gonna pro and fortunately this time they got the call right uh, because there was a, there was a foul in the, in the box and, and it, it worked out well for us. I, it's, once again, I'm not sure how to talk about that because that's really weird. <laughs> well, uh, the big story, of course, was going to be Justin Miram's return, but uh, it turned out gentlemen's agreement put in the uh, trade agreement that Justin would not play in this game if he was sent back to Columbus. The crew agreed to it to have his services. It's something that we've speculated about. I think we, even when we knew this was a rumor, Mm -hmm. I believe I mentioned on this very podcast when it was just a rumor that he was on the trading block that if he did go to the crew that the Lions should put something in the deal about him not playing, you know, in in Orlando. Well, and and good for them for honoring that, and and good for uh, him in in honoring that. That's uh, it. 
it would have distracted from what was otherwise a really good game. Um, you know, not that, uh, you know, we don't need to see him and not that it would have been uh, the end of the world if he had come back and, and, and played against Orlando, but it's still, uh, it, it created one less distraction and allowed, uh, allowed the fans to enjoy that win, you know, how it came versus, uh, you know, booing Merrim every time he touches the, the ball or anything like that. So I, I, I think it was, I think it was a good call on the part of both organizations. Dang good stuff. Dave, uh, I don't think we're going to be split on who the man of the match was. I would seriously doubt it. Uh, I know for me, it was uh, one Yoshimaru Toon, who, uh, even aside from that uh, that very uh, cheeky penalty kick, um, had an outstanding game. Um, you know, once again, you see how much better they are when he's on the field. Uh, offense seems to flow through him. His passing rate was exceptional. And yeah, um, Yoshi was definitely man of the match for me. Yeah, the only thing he didn't do well in the match really was uh, was set-piece delivery. Everything else was very good. He uh, he created six chances in the game. That's uh, that's a pretty high number. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed very well. He, of course, scored a goal, got a couple shots on target from distance. Uh, also missed badly on a shot from <laughs> trying to catch Stefan out of his net <laughs> early. Uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great uh, performance by Yoshi and deserving of his spot on MLS team of the week this week. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that, that he's your man in the match as well. Um, yes, it's, it's obvious how much better this team plays when he is on the pitch. So, uh, whatever needs to happen to make sure that that continues needs to happen. So unanimous, uh, man of the match pick this week. Uh, Mr. Yotun from Peru, uh, has, our, has our votes. And, um, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Orlando City a little later after uh, we get to, through some other stuff. We'll we'll preview the New York Red Bulls, uh, which is the season finale, uh, a little later in the show. Uh, one of the things that happened uh, today, as we record on Tuesday the 23rd, is that the MLS player salaries they uh, drop twice a year, of course, mid-season and then at the end of the season. Today we learned who you know how much the new boys make. Um, and, uh, you know, Orlando City only had two uh, new faces join in the secondary transfer window. Carlos Asquez and Shane O'Neill both played quite well yesterday. Asquez actually left with some tightness in his quad uh, shortly into the second half, was replaced by Amro Tarek, who uh, had not played in a while. But boy, did Tarek play really well when, when he came on. The entire back line played a fantastic game. I thought that uh, aside from not jumping on the on the... Um, on the free kick, uh, Uri Rossell played well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Will Johnson played a good game. Um, you know, I, I think probably the weaker links, I think Dom had a, a tough game, although he was not getting a great deal of service. He did put in his usual work. He was a pest. He earned some yellow cards and some, you know, some free kicks uh, in the first half. Um, Although he also he gave one that he shouldn't have. He did. He gave a little shoulder to Mensa. I think he was still kind of ticked off about that elbow to the yeah. face. Uh, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's one of those things where if they review it and kick him out of the game, then, then Dom doesn't try to take matters into his own hands, which you shouldn't do. But, you know, um, it's, it's hard not to seek justice when uh, the people that are supposed to dispense it don't dispense it. You know? 
So. Yeah, it's uh, and I can understand why he would have wanted to. I mean, we 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 saw that he's got a black eye now, so yeah. obviously there was enough there that I, I know I'd have been a little bit hot. Yeah, I mean, if you're cut open by an elbow, I mean that's a pretty pretty severe play. <laughs> yeah, that's a good shot. Um, anyway, uh, Carlos Asquez, Dave, his base salary is three hundred sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, that's slightly more than we make for making this podcast. Just a little bit. Uh, he also uh, could make 391500 in total compensation. Now, that is obviously a an annual total. That's not what he's uh, going to make for this, uh, for the 10 games or whatever he's played this year. Um, Correct. But that's, uh, that's pretty good uh, salary. But it would be nice to see Orlando uh, exercise an option uh, to keep him uh, next mm-hmm. year because he's been a really good addition, whether he's played defensive mid or uh, on the back line. And uh, he really looks the part of a, a three-man back line. It looks like James O'Connor would like to stick with the three-man back line. And if you look at this team, uh, it does look like, you know, Shane O'Neill's good with his feet. Asquith's good with his feet. Sané's good with his feet. Tarek's good with his feet. Um, you know, who knows if Spectre returns. It can he's He missed again with his back. Uh, but he's pretty good with his feet as well. So it, it looks like we're seeing the transformation to uh, these center backs who can play the ball out of their feet. And, um, you know, it looks like the the pieces are in place. You know, Tom wrote a story today, uh, the bearded guy on our website, about the astronomical 25 different back line combinations in 33 games. Uh, it, I think the pieces are in place that if they could just keep a – if they could just keep a, a back line healthy and be able to start the same one – Game after game, they would they would become a cohesive unit. So hopefully that will become a, a, a strength in 2019 rather than a weakness uh, with the, what is it, 73 goals now conceded this year. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, other than the fact that it's, it's a record every time it happens, uh, there's probably no real good, you know, um, mental health uh, reason as a Orlando City fan to, to keep counting those. Yeah. Uh, so Shane O'Neill, we just mentioned him. What a bargain. $65,000 a year uh, base salary. He could make 79500 in total compensation. That, that is a is real, a real bargain. good bargain. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. That's, uh, wow. He's, I, I, I would say he's worth more than that, you know, given how he's played. Absolutely. I mean, if you think back to what Seb Hines made and how he performed, um, yeah. or how Sean St. Ledger performed and what he made, you know, it's, it's a good buy. It seems to be a definitely, uh, definitely a good buy for the, uh, for the lions. So, well, uh, hopefully Shane's enjoying himself and, and wants to stay and that's enough money. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's turn the, the book, uh, or the page, uh, a little bit and talk a little bit about the Orlando pride. We're going to do that right after this all right dave orlando pride um the news this week camilla is going on loan to brazil she's uh, she's joining irinduba in her mm-hmm. native brazil for uh the off season she'll be back uh for next nwsl season and camilla uh you know we we did her season review grade. It wasn't a good grade. She was coming back from that um, that nasty knee injury that she has. 
surgery on, and she didn't look quite right this year. So it's it's a good thing that she's going to go and get some minutes in the offseason and, and maybe be able to strengthen that knee and mm-hmm. come back in, in better form for 2019 because she was a, a key ingredient to the success of this team in 2017. And her absence in 2018 and her you know lack of being uh, fully fit in 2018 I think is a big reason the pride struggled because Camilla was the, uh, her and Marta were part of the connective tissue of the team in 2017, in my opinion, and, and really Mm -hmm. uh, connecting the back line to the, to the attack. And this year that was where the disconnect was, is connecting the back line, you know, the, the playing out of the back to the attack. And um, Marta couldn't do it all herself. She was double, triple teamed. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tom played her at forward quite a bit. So there was, there was, there were gaps and tried to compensate for those gaps by going out and getting an Emily Van Eggman, but I don't think she played particularly well in her first year with the pride. And so Camilla's presence or her, her lack of presence was certainly felt by the pride in 2018. Yeah. I actually was the one who wrote that review. She, um, like you said, in 2017, she was one of the most uh, tenacious players that we had on, on the pitch. Um, you know, always pushing, um, like you said, connecting up uh, through the midfield to Marta, uh, missing that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, she was injured. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, no knock on her. I mean, uh, you've got to come back from that in the time period that the docs say that you've got to. And even when you do get back, you're not going to be at the level you were. Um, that's something you have to play yourself back into. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think she had enough time. And then you throw into the fact that the pride were, you know, obviously not on all on the same page. Um, so it, there was a lot going on that, that didn't help her in her return. Um, you know, including, like say, coming back from an injury. So being able to go and, and, and uh, play in Brazil is going to be uh, any that it's the type of thing that's going to help us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more time she gets uh, to get essentially her legs back under or knee back under, um, get that form and, and the confidence to, to, you know, play that uh, aggressive style play that, you know, she was, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's going to, that's, what's going to help her and ultimately help the pride. I mean, she came back in less than a year from an injury and a surgery that uh, can take up to two years to fully heal up and, and come back from. So uh, it's not a, I guess it's not a huge surprise. It was, um, it was a good effort by her to get back in the lineup this year, but um, they can use her. She had four, four goals, five assists and 33 career matches with the pride uh, in two seasons. But most of that was in 2017. And um you know, we look for a full return. Good luck to Camilla at uh, Esporta Club Iranduba da Amazonia. That's the full name. And I don't, I think I need a nap after saying that full name on that team. <laughs> it's a little bit long. Yeah. A little lengthy. Shorten that up, will you? Um, let's stay with the Pride for a minute. Uh, the Pride uh, announced their end of season awards. I believe these were voted on by the fans on uh, Instagram, I want to say. And, um, you know, there weren't a lot of surprises. I think they, the fans, by and large, got this mostly right. They picked, uh, they did pick MVP as Marta, which is kind of hard to argue against because uh, even when she wasn't at her best, Marta was still usually the best player on the field. I think the only real competition Marta had for MVP was Danny Weatherholt, who was Mm -hmm. the energizer bunny that the team needed all year. And even 
though there's a gap in talent between a Marta and a Danny Weatherholt, um, you need the Danny Weatherholts. Tom Sermani famously said he wished he had 11 Danny Weatherholts on the team. <laughs> uh, but not a not a big surprise Marta got this uh, award. I mean, after all, she she won the FIFA Player of the Year. Yeah, so I mean, if if you're gonna give her the if if they're gonna give her a FIFA plant. Player of the year, then uh, uh, making her the MVP of the Pride is is pretty much a no-brainer. Um, so so good on the uh, the fans who voted on that one for getting that one right. Defender of the year was selected as Ali Krieger. This is the other one I think may have been a toss-up, and I think uh, maybe Shalina Zadorsky, who by the way, as we as this drops on Wednesday, happy birthday to Shalina Zadorsky, who um, I'm not at all bitter about her being exactly half my age. <laughs> the only thing I'll be a little bit happier about is that that means she's not exactly half my age. So uh, happy birthday, Shalina! And uh, yeah, I mean I, that's a that's a toss up. I think you know Allie probably gets the the nudge just from a um, you know fan favorite type of yeah. uh, perspective, which okay, that's fine. You know, um, Shalina's younger and and will have plenty of opportunity to to get such accolades in the future. The only award that wasn't voted on, the Golden Boot, Sydney LaRue. You should get that if you score the most goals, and Sydney LaRue did that. She was also voted Newcomer of the Year for the Pride, and, and based on what the Pride brought in this year, pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, if you bring people in and one of them scores the most goals on the team, well, that's, yeah, there you go. Uh, like you said, the Golden Boot is an automatic one. The other one she earned, and, uh, well, I guess she both earned both of them. But regardless, uh, you know, good on Sid, um, especially, you know, as we talked about last week with everything she had to deal with, um, still, you know, scoring those goals and, and contributing. So uh, congratulations to all of them. Goal of the year, Marta against the Washington Spirit on July 7th in the 86th minute. Her winner, uh, where Sydney LaRue fed her, and uh, she went and basically took on half of the Spirit defense. Uh, right, <laughs> juke left. Or uh, juke left, then juke right, then went back to right, her then left, left and, again, yeah. uh, and then beat uh, Aubrey Bledsoe with just a, a, a laser beam right above her head. Um, and I think it's hard to argue that one. It was a game winner. It was a tremendous individual effort from a, a player who obviously had nothing left in her tank energy-wise. And she almost was moving in slow motion on the goal. Yeah, and still made everybody else look silly. Uh, I'm pretty sure we may have even used that word of making everybody else look silly back when we talked <laughs> when we talked about it back when it happened. Um, if you had, you know, I got the opportunity to look at it when you know they were out on Instagram when they were putting the you know here here's who you know maybe you decide on this one, and so go back and watch it again because it, it really was mm -hmm. a phenomenal goal and and really shows the quality of. Marta and and how good she really is. Uh, Krieger got assist of the year for her uh, her bomb from the the wing that uh, uh, landed on Sydney's head for the header goal. Uh, Sydney went in and made a diving header. It was just a great pass, fantastic ball in, and uh, uh, a great goal. And Krieger deserves deserves that. It was a really really good pass. Save of the mm -hmm. year was Ashlyn Harris against uh, Sam Kerr, the NWSL Golden Boot winner. One v one. If you can beat Sam Kerr in space. Uh, that's a good save, and, and she certainly did that. That was August 25th. Um, celebration of the year, Sydney LaRue, who scored against Sky Blue on June 16th, and where she was lying on the ground, she just kind of became an airplane. 
so she was like <laughs> she threw her arms that. out and, and kind of took off and uh, that was the celebration of the year and the video feature of the year was camilla road to recovery um so uh, that one beat out lifetimes uh, the lifetime feature on defender carson pickett so that was a very close vote so uh, yeah. Very well deserving to all of the Pride winners. Congratulations to all. I can't really argue. In fact, Jackie Maynard, the uh, communications uh, point person for the Pride, asked me what I thought of the awards on Sunday when I was at the Orlando City game. And I said, Man, yeah, I think pretty much they're good. She, she said, I kind of thought Alana Kennedy's goal would win. Uh, you may re- recall her, her goal from uh, the center circle against the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I said, yeah, that was a heck of a goal. But I think you can't really argue too much about what Marta did, especially considering the time of the game and um, just the, the situation. So either one of those would have been, would have been worthy winners. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, I'd forgot about Alon's goal. And at, and of course, as you said that, I was like, I could actually replay it in my head. I was like, Oh yeah, that would have been a good one too. But uh, no, I, I still prefer Marta's just because, like you say, the the amount of effort given how tired she was. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate Alana didn't have more plays like that because she did a great job of stepping into a passing lane, intercepting the ball, and then launching an unbelievable goal. It was a tough season for Alana in a lot of ways as her, as we, you know, that came out this week in our Alana Kennedy season in review. She didn't get a very high score. And again, most of the Pride players didn't get a very high score because I think there were some some high expectations for this team, but um, mm-hmm. uh, we'll conclude those this week. I think you're working on Emily Van Egmond and I'm working on Alex Morgan and then they'll be done. That's correct. All right, Dave, let's turn our attention to the mailbag. We have, uh, I think a couple of questions. I just got one in the email uh, while we were recording this podcast, actually. Um, oh. So there's two ways you can, you can ask us anything on the podcast. And one of those ways is to hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the mainland, and you can just add us and uh, use the hashtag AskTMLPC, and we will we will find that and we will read it on the air, and it will be glorious because you will get a response, even if it's not correct. You will get an answer to your question. Uh, you can also do it in the email form by emailing us, themainland at gmail.com is that email address, and uh, again. We are happy to answer any question you have. And I'm going to start with the email question from Lee Gavlik, friend of the pod. Lee. Lee says, your mutual love of classic rock has been well documented on this show, but what's your favorite band from the 1990s to the present? Ooh, 1990s to the present. I'll let you go first on this. Um, I'm going to, and I'm, yeah, they had to. They had to have been together nice. Uh, for me, it's it's going to be the Foo Fighters. Um, I think the the fact that they're kind of a uh, in some ways a very traditional uh, rock and roll band. Uh, add into that the Dave Grohl's just amazing um, uh, persona when he's you know among the fans. I mean, so many times they've you know they've brought people up on stage. There was that time where he uh, broke his leg, and then you know basically they put him in a cast and he went back out and played the rest of the concert. I mean, that's, that's rock and roll. So, um, yeah, for me, it's going to be Foo Fighters. Rock and roll. Hello, Cleveland. Um, (laughs) uh, Lee, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you one that's a little more mainstream and one that's a little more underground. I think, um, one of my favorite, um, bands, actually I might end up giving you three. That's how much I love music. 
Uh, one of my favorite bands uh, in recent years has been a band out of Akron, Ohio called the Black Keys. Um, I think a lot of people know who the Black Keys are. Mm -hmm. Their music's getting on a lot of TV shows these days. Uh, very, very good band. I like them a lot. Uh, the Black Keys are great. Um, another band that I like is a band that's probably, I don't even think that they're currently still together. I don't know that there's been an official breakup, but the lead singer kind of has been doing his own solo thing for about the last four or five years. Uh, and that's a band out of England called Porcupine Tree. They kind of uh, surfaced as a sort of a spacey, um, almost like a, a Pink Floyd, early Pink Floyd inspired band, but then they kind of morphed into uh, an edgier, harder edge sound band. And um, Porcupine Tree is very good. Stephen Wilson is uh, the lead singer and kind of the, the creative force behind the band. In fact, it was just Stephen Wilson when he, he named the band Porcupine Tree to begin with. And uh, then he kind of filled filled in with some musicians but um steven wilson's still running around doing solo albums but we haven't had a porcupine tree album in quite some time and i believe that they're done but i don't know that again that there's been anything official on that so i will uh i will hedge my bet and say never say never they might might be might be another album in them at some point uh and then of course the other one because i have to add this because i thought of it while i was uh thinking of those two bands is the decemberists i love the decemberists dave mm, yeah yeah no they're good so thank you lee for that question i believe dave you have a question that you found on the twitters yeah let's see twitters um so did we answer the adam grinwis trade stock one before from ryan smith i don't believe that week? one what's the what's okay the date? what's the date that will tell you october 19 okay so that was only four days ago so no we no all right so uh is orlando city just trying to raise adam grinwis trade stock or do you think he stays and joe or earl leave this off season who stays who goes who do you prefer in goal Ryan, I'm glad you asked that question. I have a feeling that both Earl and Joe will be elsewhere next year. Um, and I don't think that Adam is in to, to look at his – to raise his, his draft – or his trade stock. I think he's in there because I don't think James O'Connor is comfortable with his goalkeeping situation. He wanted to see what Adam could do. Adam's been pretty good with his feet. His distribution has been pretty good. He's obviously – uh, done very well between the pipes, so I think he put him in, and he's earned the spot for now over the other two. So that's why I think he's playing, is because he's he's shown he's a little bit more in form right now than the other two. Uh, I do think we're going to see a new goalkeeper acquisition in the off season. Um, I think Joe had a tough season. I don't think that he's necessarily done here, but I think if he comes back, he comes back as a backup. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I, I I'm right along with you. I think both uh, Joe and Earl are, are elsewhere. I think uh, unfortunately Joe's time is done uh, definitively. And then you know the fact that Adam's been starting, uh, he's obviously gotten the approval of James O'Connor, uh, and I expect that we'll see him in the last match. And then I definitely expect to see him next year. Uh, whether or not Earl stays. Ew, uh, if it's if I'm Earl, I'm probably wanting to go someplace and have an opportunity to start, especially if I'm going to be sitting behind Adam. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, 
Who do I like in goal? Whoever's stopping shots. <laughs> and right now, that's Adam Grinwith, so I'm good with that. Uh, we will know uh, a lot more by Thanksgiving. Typically, the team sends out the the Black Wednesday press release with uh, their their cuts and the people they were not bringing back. Um, so the contract status stuff we'll know by November. But thanks, Ryan, for the question. Thanks to everyone who uh, asks us anything. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter at the mainland by using the AskTMLPC uh, hashtag. Well, and they they did, and we have more. Oh, I thought you said we only had one. Well, that that was earlier when I lost. Oh, so we have another one since then. Yes. Okay, so yeah. so late so, arrival. Sorry, jump the gun. Uh, yeah, David Valentin. Uh, Frequent listener of the podcast, I would even call him a friend of the podcast. Uh, what happens to Orlando City if in July of next year we are still in the summer of death? New coach, players, and then that's and then after that he, he called me out for saying his name wrong last time, which is hopefully I did it right this time. But anyway, uh, what happens uh, to Orlando City if in July of next year we're still in the summer of death? New coach, players, etc. I can uh, I can sum it up in three words, Dave. Go for it. Lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's that's absolutely what will happen. Um, I you know I'm just hopeful that that's not what ends up being you know the case. Uh, and I think with what we saw, like you said, the pieces are there uh, on the. Um, on the defense now, and, and O'Connor definitely uh, has a plan, whether he's able to execute it or not, um, I don't know. Which actually brings up a third one uh, from E.J. Emanuel Miranda, uh, who asks, do you, guys, do you guys have any information on this? Now, what he's referring to, he linked a transfers MLS uh, tweet that says my source just got contacted by Orlando yesterday. They are looking to fill every position except six, eight, and ten. They are as typically, f- they are as typically, and this is I'm reading it word for word. For MLS looking for players under 27 with experience, I asked about DP money on Sunday and got the response yesterday of no. And then it's it's kind of garbled, but uh, basically. Six, eight, and ten look to be the only safe uh, positions according to transfers MLS. I don't put any stock in anything that um, you know that that is a source that I don't respect, and I don't really have any respect there. But I think that I know I, we said this before Jason Christ was fired. A new coach will have to overhaul the team. It just always has to happen because you get there, you see what you have. You have a system you want to play. James O'Connor's system is very different from Jason Kreiss's. And yep. you have to go out and get players that will fit that system. And we were told, you know, during the press conference, Alex Latow said that the new coach will have to win with the players we have. And I think later he backpedaled quite hard on that, that maybe they've found that the, the team wasn't as strong as they, they thought it was. <laughs> This was supposed to be Nikki and Alex's team, not Jason's. That's what they told us. They believed in this group. This group did not, not only didn't make the playoffs, but got progressively worse as the season went on. Um, not all of it is, is related to injuries. Some of it is. Of course, you look at the, we just talked about the 25 different back lines in 33 games. That was certainly uh, 
you know, injuries certainly had a lot to do with that, as well as some international call-ups. But, you know, James O'Connor, I don't know what he can do, because I don't know. Here's the hard thing. We don't know how many years are left on certain guys' contracts. We don't know what the cap room will be. Without knowing those two things, it's impossible to know how much they're going to be able to able to overhaul the roster there will be some guys gone there's no question about it there's there's going to be a need to get a little younger in some spots um and james o'connor has certain guys that uh, you know he's going to want to to uh, bring in guys that he trusts to play certain positions in a certain way and again we'll know more by thanksgiving but uh, i expect one guy i think is a possible uh, arrival is Cameron Lancaster, who played, uh, or Lancaster, who played for uh, James at Louisville City, who set a new USL goal-scoring record this year. Uh, he's a guy who obviously knows how to play James O'Connor's system and thrive in it, and even though it's always difficult for someone to come up from a, a lesser league and to repeat that success, we've seen that with Stefano Pino, for example, um, goal-scoring record holders... Uh, I can think of two that played for Orlando City, two in the USL, Kevin Molino and Dom Dwyer, and they did okay in MLS. Yeah, both of those are pretty good. So uh, the idea that there's three guys that are are completely safe and everybody else is gone is ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. Um, It's easy to say, Dave. It's easy to say the six and the eight are safe because this team's got 700 defensive midfielders. Yeah, (laughs) that's a very good point. But it's it's absolutely uh, I, that's completely off the rails. Um, O'Connor will have come in, and you know he'll he'll decide who he likes. There's also the business end of it, where you know the money has to work. So uh, you know you're right. There will be new faces, um, and we'll know more later. But you know, for right now. Uh, no, I, I, I'll be surprised if there's only three guys left after after this season. Indeed, and I would even say that the 10 is safe because Coleman hasn't shown he can play it, and Kleshin's getting a little long in the tooth, and if if um, if we're going to be a pressing team, a high-pressing team, I don't know that, that Kleshin at his age is going to be part of that. Um, but also, uh, you know, you have to look around the lineup and and, and and find out who's got time left on their contract, which guys does, which guys are trusted by James O'Connor. We don't really know that. And then James O'Connor hinted uh, after the game on Sunday that he knows what's going on in that locker room. He doesn't talk about it publicly. He wants to keep things in the locker room. He, he out of respect for the players, but he knows what's going on in the locker room and he was going to address things in the locker room and uh, make changes as needed. So he's obviously aware of some things that are going on behind the scenes that we aren't really privy to. Yeah, and well, which is how it should be. And, you know, as much as we would like to know everything, I mean, that's just not going to happen. So um, I, this last, you know, it could just be the, uh, uh, I'm, I've still got the, the, the good feelings in me from the, from the win. But, um, uh, you know, we, we said early on that, you know, we both thought, James O'Connor was potentially a good hire, um, you know, based on what he had accomplished down in USL. So if he's, um, I, I, he's got to be given the time. And I know some people might say, well, he's had the time. Yeah, but he hadn't had his players. So, um, or he hadn't had time to develop them or implement a system or a thousand other things. So, um, 
you know, we mentioned a minute ago, if, you know, same thing's going on in July, well, no, yeah, then it'll be gone. But um, I, I don't expect that. And um, I, I think I'm hopeful after that last game that, that he knows who is willing to put in the type of effort that he wants. And those are the guys that are going to stay. Um, I'm not saying everybody on the field is going to be that person, but those are the kind of guys that he's looking for. And that's, uh, that'll be as big of part of whatever, whoever he brings in as anything else. Yeah. And I don't know if, if things continue to spiral, you know, you have to look at, you have to look higher up the food chain. If the players brought in aren't right, then you got to look at Nikki Budalich. If the, you know, if the hires, the coaching hires aren't right, then you have to look at Alex Leitao. He's the guy making those decisions, or at least is largely responsible for making those decisions. I don't know that Flavio Augusto da Silva will fire Alex Leitao because they are tight and he trusts him. But, you know, I, I think if if it's my team, I'm looking at in those positions. If the players continue to not be high enough quality, you have to get rid of the person who's in charge of getting players. If the hires are not in high enough quality, you have to get rid of the person making those hires because they're not serving your business well. And that's kind of where we are right now. But I think that James O'Connor came into a situation where he knew he had to put up with the players that were already in place. I don't think that the salary cap would have allowed the team to do a whole lot more in the summer window than they did. So this is what you got, James. What can you do with it? And turns out not win a whole lot of games, but <laughs> at least the team did for the most part with the, you know, with the, with a few exceptions of, on, in some blowouts on the road after the, the team was completely out of it. I think for the most part, I think we all agree that the team looked better once he took over the, the, the head coaching position uh, in terms of the attack looking more cohesive, the counterattack mm-hmm. looking more dangerous, um, players looking like they knew what the plan was and looking like yeah. they had a, a, you know, a, a coherent game plan. I think that a lot of things have improved um, and credit to James O'Connor for not uh, despairing in what has been a very, very difficult summer for him, but he's, he's going to go out. He's going to make, some changes with the the help of Alex Leitao and, and Nikki Budalich to the lineup. He's going to get a full uh, preseason under his belt and training camp under his belt. He's going to get guys to the fitness level he wants them at. Apparently, uh, they are not where he wants them. And all of the every coach says they that they want the team to be more fit. Uh, we heard Jason Christ say that you know that was the fittest his, his teams have ever been since he'd been here, you know, this, this, uh, this preseason, but mm-hmm. now you get the next coach coming in saying the team's not fit enough. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe different people have different standards, but if you're going to play a high pressing t- uh, system or at least a pressing system of any type, and let's face it, Orlando did that well on Sunday in yeah. the second half of that game anyway, not in the first half so much, but, um, you know, they they did well. They shut things down. Columbus wasn't able to have a whole lot of space there. It was good. And if that if if they're going to be able to do that through a whole summer, then they're going to need to be in tip top shape. And I think probably in a few spots a little younger. So thanks for that question. I hope our ramblings uh, fully answered it. If not, well, just tweet at us. <laughs> all right. Is that all of our questions now? That's everything I've got. All right. So tweet us at the mainland using the hashtag AskTMLPC or email us your question, themainland at gmail.com. That's how you can reach us. Ask us literally anything. Thanks to those who sent in questions. Dave, the New York Red Bulls, the final opponent 
for 2018. Mm-hmm. It's on the road at Red Bull Arena. It's a place where Orlando City has not had a great deal of success, although the Lions have won a game there. Um, the Red Bulls are going for the Supporter Shield. Um, what's your key matchup and what's your scoreline prediction for this finale? Okay, so key matchup. Um, same as it probably should have been all year. Um, depends on which back line we get. Um, you know, if we have a, uh, a back line like we had last game, then, uh, it's closer than not. If, if, um, I, I like what, uh, O'Connor was able to do, you know, with the, the three man back line, um, whether that's what he trots out again, uh, obviously we'll have to see, we'll find out. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be how that back line is able to, um, try and stop the Red Bulls attack. Cause like you said, they're going for the supporter shield. They're going to, they're at home, uh, home finale for them. They're going to be wanting to win. Um, I know Sasha question said that he wants to play spoiler, but, um, you know, when you're, when you're away, that, that can be a little bit tougher. Um, as such, um, because I'm going to be realistic about things. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be the third two, one, match in a row except this time we're gonna swing back to the loss column so two one loss at new york red bulls team hasn't been very good on the road dave i think the key matchup for me is of course anytime you play the red bulls you gotta worry about bradley wright phillips yep um, he's kind of good uh, they have good players across the board uh it really this team hasn't done well on the road in quite some time i don't think they've won on the road since april um so I'm going to say 2-0 Red Bulls as they try to win the Supporter Shield. And if they do win the game, I hope they win the Supporter Shield because screw Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, man, that makes it t- – you want to root for Orlando, but then you're like, uh, now nah, we, we would love for Orlando City to win. Yeah, I really don't mind if uh, Orlando plays spoilers against the Red Bulls either because, um, you know, that's that means they go out with a, a win and, and two wins in their final two games, which would be nice. There's nothing uh, – there's no pressure on them. There's nothing that they really need to play for. Uh, so they can be loose and hopefully put in a good performance. And mm-hmm. uh, it would be nice to see another win before the season lets out. But, you, you know. I'm sure the Red Bulls will have some things that they'll want to say about that. They're coming off a close win uh, at Philadelphia against the Union. So, uh, you know, this is a team that's been in pretty good form most of the year. Uh, A little bit of a slow start because of uh, CONCACAF Champions League. But, um, you know, the Red Bulls, anytime you line up against them, it's very difficult. It's difficult to break them down. Uh, With The way Aaron Long and Tim Parker have played, and you can even, you know, throw in guys like uh, Marillo and Connor Laid on the outside. Uh, of course, Tyler Adams is very difficult to play against. Sean Davis has played well. Alex Moyle. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who has yeah. played well for them? I mean, they've played they played well through two different coaches this season. And uh, again, there's a lot of key matchups in this one. Uh, you know, uh, Adams versus Question. Um, but really, stopping Bradley Wright Phillips is one of the big keys to stopping um, the Red Bulls. And of course uh, the guys in front of that three, what will probably be a three man back line. We're ha- we'll have to deal with Kaku who's, who's been pretty darn good uh, since his arrival as well. So a couple of key matchups in that one, I'm going to say two nil because I just think the lions have been bad on the road uh, last year. They got absolutely waxed in a meaningless game uh, on the road in the finale 
and I hope that it doesn't get out of hand like that this time. But um, if if the Red Bulls get a couple get goals early, that could be an ugly four, five, six goal win. Yeah. Well, we know it won't be two uh, two nothing, and we know it won't be two one because uh, that's what we picked. Maybe Orlando will get two more penalty kicks this week. That would be nice. <laughs> Uh, they're saving all up all the calls for the end of the year <laughs> right, when it doesn't matter. <laughs> all right. So that'll do it. Uh, Dave for episode number, what did we say? It was one, one forty seven. I was correct. We are winding our way toward one fifty. Uh, just a programming note. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about the, uh, lions and the red bulls. And that will end our weekly in season podcast schedule. We will go to monthly, uh, so after next week, we will be heard next in November and uh, once in December, once in January, once in February, and uh, we will return to weekly podcasts in March. We may have a supplemental podcast at some point if there's some big news in the off season. but generally speaking, we plan to go to once a month after next week. So, um, so if you if you miss us, just you know add us on Twitter and we can spout off things if you like yeah, just keep asking questions and then we'll have like you know a, an hour worth of mailbag one night <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> all right let's put 147 to bed dave uh we'll be back next week again to talk about the season finale between new york and orlando city we'll hopefully have um a pride coach to announce maybe who knows possibly mm. um and uh we'll we'll bring up anything else and, of course, we'll answer your questions. If you have, uh, you know, iTunes and you pick us up off iTunes and you want to, you can leave us a five-star review and uh, say some nice things in uh, in your review, and we will read it on the air. We don't have any new ones this week, Dave, to read on the air. Uh, this would be the time to do it because it's the last of the weeklies. Yeah. Get it in now. So get your five-star review in and uh, and write us a nice little review, and we'll we'll read it on the air. Please Read our stuff at themainland.com. We work very hard to bring you content all year long and in the off-season, uh, even in the off-season. So um, mm-hmm. you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and uh, please subscribe if you are just an occasional downloader. Go ahead and subscribe to us on uh, on iTunes or your favorite pod uh, distributor because we're everywhere. We're on Google Play and Spreaker and Blog Talk Radio and Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah, I think we're everywhere. So that'll do it. Um, On behalf of David Rowe, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off episode 147 by saying, Go City and Go Pride.